0: Purple, get ready to roll indeed. This is the College Ann Kimball Podcast. I am Jeff Burkhart, joined as always by Justin Nutter. Thrilled to be breaking down another Kansas State win and looking ahead to the Wildcats' final non-conference game of 2022 as the Wildcats will play host to Tulane this coming Saturday at Bill Snyder family stadium, looking to make it a perfect three and against the non con before we dive into that quick call to action to our listeners, please uh, subscribe to our podcast on whatever your preferred app is and give us a rating and review. If you have a few moments, also follow us on Twitter. It is college underscore Kimball. We'll talk uh, a little bit about the question that we posed uh earlier in the week about what you guys want to see short up most in the wildcats final non-conference game here of 2022 also put out, out a poll relating to the uniforms. We'll touch on that as well. So Nutter let's go ahead and dive into it here. We didn't have a chance to do a reaction show to the Missouri victory. Uh, as fate would have it I was out of town for a wedding driving back from Indianapolis to Kansas City did it all in one day so my uh, Sunday and then Monday were pretty much spoken for there and then you were on the shelf uh, with a with an ailment so you're you're on the men we're all we're all better now and we're uh, we're excited to break this game down so let's just real quick high level what how'd you come away feeling after that 40 to 12 victory over the Tigers.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you beat a, you beat an SEC opponent by four touchdowns. It's hard to feel too upset about anything, right? I mean, I think the same question marks that existed after the opener against South Dakota still kind of persisted through this one, right? There were some questions about the kicking game, another missed extra point, another missed field goal attempt by Tennant. Um, didn't get to see a lot in the air. Um, Obviously, you know, you look at, there was a, you know, you and I talked about it before we stopped filming, you know, there was that kind of that that skinny post or seam route, or whatever you want to call it, Malik ran, that was probably going to be a walk-in touchdown. He took us off the ball and dropped it. You know, we had a 38, 39-yard pass to Deuce Vaughn, called back by a pick by Cade Warner. So, you know, the numbers might be a little bit misleading. I think Adrian, especially early in the game, looked pretty good letting it rip. So I'm not terribly concerned. Obviously, it would be nice to see him put up some more numbers. But Deuce did what Deuce does. Obviously, you're, you're never going to be upset with, Four consecutive turnovers, I think, in a total of 10 snaps. So, I mean, defense balled out, deuce balled out. It's really hard to be upset overall.
0: No doubt. Legitimately, the defense has kept opponents out of the end zone for 60 minutes in both games thus far. It literally took an untimed down following that Jalen Pickle uh, personal foul at the very end of regulation to allow Missouri an untimed down to sneak one into the end zone and not leave with their tail too far between their legs. (laughs) But in in that vein, uh, I got to get your reaction. What did you think when you saw the billboard that was put up just outside of Kansas city that the tigers would have to see on their way back on I-70? I thought that was a pretty good shot.
1: (laughs) It was a low blow. It was petty. And I am here for it.
0: (laughs) No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I, I know Missouri hits a little bit differently for folks uh, and it's, it's so weird to think about them being out of the big 12 for over a decade now, but uh, that's a game that's always been near and dear to my heart as I have clo- my extended family, all big tiger fans. I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned it before, but my grandfather played at Mizzou in the fifties. So that game always been a lot to me growing up. So I didn't needle my cousins too badly on Saturday. Uh, frankly, I, I, w- I was pretty busy cause my friend was getting married, but, um, but yeah, that, that was, that was a fun one to watch wire to wire. Again, you mentioned it a couple things that could have been cleaned up on offense. If Adrian, if that pick by K doesn't get called and Malik holds onto that ball, we're talking about a day where Adrian goes 11 of 20, probably has north of 150, 160 yards somewhere in that ballpark and potentially has a touchdown to his name. So his numbers look a little bit better. The yardage looks a little bit better. The yards per attempt number goes up, but I, I still to this point don't have a huge concern about K-State's passing attack. I, I think just with the way that the offense was cruising really in those first couple of possessions before the rain really started to come down, they looked pretty sharp and, and there were some good calls and some, some nice execution and pass in the passing game or on that first drive in particular that stood out to me. So I, I think, When we get to this coming opponent this Saturday against Tulane, a team that doesn't necessarily have a a proven secondary and was one of the worst pass defenses in the country last year, I think the Wildcats will have an opportunity to to shore up that element of the offense. We all know, I I think, and feel comfortable with Deuce doing what Deuce will inevitably do against Tulane. Uh, One quick question before we we formally move out of that, uh, out of the Mizzou recap discussion here. What were your thoughts late in the game when this one was well out of hand, thirty-three to six inside of ten minutes? I was kind of surprised that they didn't just turn the ball over to DJ Ginn's and let him kill the clock on those final couple of snaps on offense. What'd you think about leaving Deuce in there late in the ball game?
1: Um, you know, I think we've talked about it a little bit, and it, it was pretty apparent from the handshake that this one might a little been a little bit more personal. You know, I don't know if that was just us throwing salt on the wound. It's hard to say, obviously, with the game well out of hand like that. I am typically I err on the side of caution more in terms of I want to get your starters out of the game. But uh, obviously, no harm, no foul. Nothing really came of it. So I think, you know, just chalk it up to, you know, we, we turned it into that much more of a runaway having Deuce in there. And it was nice to get him his second score.
0: And Deuce Vaughn receiving recognition for his effort against the Tigers. Uh, Earl Campbell Award honorable mention this week. Philip Brooks named your Big 12 Special Teams Player of the Week with his punt return touchdown. Really opened things up for K State. And this coming out, of course, of the I guess technically the second rain delay because kickoff did get pushed 15 minutes initially. Then there was the, about an hour long rain delay. Phil Brooks takes that one back to the house to make it 20 to three. And uh, I I resist the temptation to say the floodgates open, resist the temptation to say the floodgates (laughs) open. Uh, But yeah, that, that one really did open up the ball game and and the defense in the second half just lights out an exceptional effort, wire to wire from those guys and, and really, Surprising to see Sincere Mason perform as well as he has coming off the injuries, uh, got interceptions in both of the cats, non-conference games and they cats forced four interceptions in total. I, frankly, not to dwell too much on the opponent, but Mizzou, I, I, I didn't see it, so to speak from the tigers. I, I know a lot of people are were, were bullish that Missouri might be able to to take another step forward with Eli Drinkwitz but man just watching the way that they performed that was a team particularly in the second half I, I I saw a lot of quit when when they were just when again Cook was making bad reads and that game was getting out of hand and I know the rain probably played a role in that but man I, I'd be I'd be a little bit worried about the direction and, and frankly Missouri doesn't strike me as a bowl team I, I think Truth be told, this Tulane team, while not necessarily having been tested, is probably going to p- provide a little bit more of a challenge just with the the continuity that will be provided by Willie Fritz. He's in his seventh year as head coach of Tulane. They know what they want to do on offense. And uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that here momentarily. But one final note uh, as we get set to dive into our preview for the week, the the uniform unveiling, the alternate look for the week. K-State going to go with a with the white hats, going to have the pennant waving Willie on one side, the purple numbers on the other side. I thought that was a pretty cool look with the the alternating um, decals there on the helmet, and then also looking like the cats are going to be donning the white pants. I can't imagine them switching that up. Uh, it looked very clean in in the videos that I'm sure our listeners have seen on Twitter and Instagram. I know the talking point that's going to be brought up by fans is obviously going to be the poor luck K State has had when it dons any kind of alternate look. What are 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 your thoughts just in general about? the, the uniform that K-State's going to be rocking this Saturday against Tulane and any, uh, <laughs> would you care to dispel any superstitions or any rumor, anything along that front as it relates to K-State's poor luck recently with, the uh, with alternate uniforms?
1: No, starting with the look, uh, personally, I love it. I am a big fan of the white alternates, uh, both in the pants and, in the, and the helmets. Um, you know, I do love our, our purple and silver traditional look, you know, I definitely, Don't want to go too overboard with the alternates. I do know it's something, though, that recruits love. I really think it's something we need to incorporate more often than we do. Don't want to see us go too crazy with it. That said, I've always been a big fan of, I call it the Tom and Jerry, Willie. Um, You know, it's definitely one of my favorites. I think it's pretty cool to to work that retro look in there. It's definitely gotten some love from the national outlets. So that's been pretty cool to see. Um, I don't know that I buy into the superstition. You know, you look at some of those games we played. I think the first time we rocked White Helmets with Kleiman was against Baylor, which was his first conference uh, home game. Um, we were pretty banged up in that one. There was definitely the script cats helmet game. We lost to a West Virginia team that we really shouldn't have lost to. And then the all whites, which we rolled out for that bowl game against a gimmicky ass Navy. You know, it. I don't know it. I don't buy the superstition so much as maybe just bad draws. You know, I, I'm not particularly concerned about that. That said, I understand, you know, it is a level of distraction. You're coming off a pretty big win against an opponent an opponent you were really fired up for. You could get caught looking ahead for you this primetime game against Oklahoma. You know, if you just add one more distraction to that with these alternate uniforms, I can understand where people are coming from there. But no, I'm not losing too much sleep in the fact that we've, you know, never won an alternate. I do think that that streak comes to an end, comes to an end on Saturday.
0: Certainly hope that will be the case. And we did put a poll out there. 69% of the voters, 127 in total. Thank you all for for jumping in on that poll. 69.3% said straight fire. I was in the like it, don't love it faction, admittedly. uh, So that was 22% of the vote. Shrugs got 6.3%. And then I am superstitious got 2.4%. So I uh, just... My my two cents on it, I, I, like I said, I, I like the alternating with the purple number on on one side and then the Willie on the other side. Uh, again, the Tom and Jerry one is not necessarily a personal favorite of mine. I, I am very much as I'm wearing right now. Cocaine Willie is my go-to, and Sailor Willie is a very close second favorite in my book. So I would have personally liked to see one of those two as the decal, but I, I'm happy that we're going to get something new because didn't have anything all of last year, didn't have anything all of 2020. Uh, again, I know people don't like to talk about the the branding aspect of things and what this does in terms of recruiting, but recruits do like to change it up, and, and variety is the spice of life, as the old adage goes. I, I have no beef with it. Frankly, again, I just more than anything else want to see the team get this first one and get it out of the way so we don't have to waste time talking about this uh, little superstition moving forward. So that's my two cents on it. With that being said, let's go ahead and dive into this Saturday's opponent, the Tulane green wave out of the American athletic conference Tulane coming off of a rough season. They were two and 10 a year ago. They did admittedly get a tough draw in the American. They had to face Uh, They didn't get to face either of the two teams that finished also one and seven in conference play. So they had to play the literally the they could not have played a tougher schedule than they did. And really, things did uh, kind of go off the rails for this team uh, early on uh, when they they sustained a very close loss to Oklahoma to open things up in 2021. 40 to 35. They really just ran out of time in that game. and, And then it just kind of all seemed to pile on if you haven't had a chance to already, I would certainly encourage our listeners to check out my interview, uh, with Maddie Hudak, who is the Tulane sports network sideline reporter. She offered up some great insight just into how the team really experienced last season, because there was a, a hurricane that did come in and displace Tulane, uh, from campus. And they had to work out of a, you know, they had to operate out of a hotel for a month and, and they lost a home game against Oklahoma because of that, uh, So just a lot of things that happened to this club. Ultimately though, this is a team uh, under Willie Fritz that, that can scare you Uh, Nutter. One thing that, that comes to my mind as it relates to what they do offensively. And one thing that does kind of concern me, this is a team you talked about just a couple of moments ago when we, Rock those alternate all white uniforms against Navy. Navy is a team that runs a flex bone, triple options, like a very traditional triple option style offense. Willie Fritz is a a very innovative guy offensively. And for, for K-State fans who don't know, uh, he was the head coach at Blinn junior college from 93 to 96. And there was a certain quarterback there at that time. K-State fans should be quite familiar with. Michael Bishop was his quarterback when they ran a lot of single wing style concepts back then as well. So you're going to see a different element, frankly, that you haven't seen to date. Uh, as far as how they attack team, they'll do like inverted wishbone si- style stuff. They'll run triple at you, but also in the same breath, what Tulane can do offensively and, and perhaps something we haven't seen yet. They brought in an offensive coordinator uh, during the offseason, Jim Spavoda. He comes to Tulane by way of central Missouri. Shout out to the Mules. I actually have a cousin who's finishing up there. Um, he coordinated an offense last year that was the sixth best nationally in d2 so the passing game for Tulane we really haven't seen what they can do yet necessarily but I I, frankly again just in in seeing what they've done and dismantling their first two opponents right out of the gate I think this team is going to provide a unique set of challenges on offense and and frankly something maybe this K-State defense hasn't seen yet
1: yeah I mean and if you look at their stats they I mean they, they definitely spread it around um Looking in the, you know, in the running game, they have a couple of guys with uh, 17 carries, uh, no one more than that. Um, 300 and, excuse me, uh, 355 yards as a team, nobody with more than 89. If you look at the passing game, it's more of the same story. Um, I think they have nine guys with uh, two or more catches. They really like to spread it around, really seem to take the focus off one man. So uh, as well as the defense has played, yes, they can't, you know, they can't get, can't get lazy. Can't get caught looking back, looking ahead. Anything here? Because yes, otherwise this is definitely an offense that could come back to bite you.
0: I'm very anxious to watch and see linebackers this week, at least as it relates to uh, K-State's defense in this contest. Because a big thing I'm going to have my my uh, my eyes on is eye discipline, because. Tulane, as I said, inverted wishbone style attack, what they'll do, they'll run a lot of play action at you. Now, make no mistake about it, I think at heart this is still very much Willie Fritz's offense. I I don't really expect to see Jim Svoboda come in and just all of a sudden they they do a 180 and start winging it around the yard. So I I think this is going to be a a team that really does stress K-State at the second level and to kind of pivot back to look at what Missouri did. I, I Brady Cook's not a guy who can really hurt you on the ground necessarily. Like, I'm sorry, I know he had a couple of scrambles here and there, but I felt like K-State really had him running for his life more than anything else. Uh, The defense, in particular the line, was getting upfield and really dictating things at at the line of scrimmage and setting the edge very well. But uh, again, I think what Tulane will do is stress you in a lot of different ways, running wide, running inside, and – that's one thing I'm going to have my eye on is how disciplined K-State's linebackers are this week. And I talked about it as well uh, with the quarterback run element of it. Uh, Their quarterback, Michael Pratt had a very fine season last year and make no mistake about it. I know the two and 10 record might lead a lot of people down a path, but he tossed 21 touchdowns to just eight interceptions uh, threw for just under 2,400 yards, completed about 60% of his throws, also carried the ball, over a hundred times for five and had five touchdowns to his name. So that, and to, to look back at last year's numbers, again, their top three rushers, 129 carries 111 carries 105 carries and the quarterback being one of those top three. So that again, kind of paints a picture. And, and and I think from K-State fans perspective, you'll, you'll probably think a lot about what the Wildcats did under Bill Snyder with, Alex Delton, Jesse Ertz, and whatnot, where it was a lot of heavy QB run stuff, a lot of read options. So just just be prepared for that this coming Saturday. And I would say key in on K-State's linebackers, how they hold up against this two lane offense. Definitely going to be something I'll have my eyes on. And. Really, I, I don't have much else as in the way of the defense. Tulane does have an experienced offensive line, four out of the five starters coming back from a year ago. But Nutter, I think the big thing, we, we just don't know a lot about Tulane. We talked about it before we started recording here. This is a team that has just not had to like break any sweat at all through these first two non-conference games.
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't want to take away from two blowout wins, but frankly, the the level of opponent that they faced, it, it does not touch what they'll see in Manhattan on Saturday. Um, Alcorn State and UMass, no disrespect, are among some of the worst in the country. Um, uh, you know, you, you kind of alluded to that their offensive line has been pretty solid. The next sack they give up this season will be the first one they've given up this season. You know, that's definitely maybe a little, little uh, motivation for our front seven. Um, so, you know, I don't know. It you can definitely look at the scores of their first two games and you know, it kind of raise your eyebrow and make you wonder what kind of quality of opponent are we getting here. I think it's probably still a little bit too early to tell. We were kind of having these same discussions a week ago, you know, when Missouri pretty well picked apart Louisiana Tech. So, um yeah, the the the, the product of the opponent that they played in their first two weeks, I'm I'm not particularly worried about it. The things that I'm more concerned about, like I said earlier, are, you know, us getting caught looking ahead or, you know, otherwise just kind of coming in distracted or maybe without without that same edge we came in with last week. I know there's just the stakes aren't quite as high in this one. So, you know, it's just kind of a matter of staying focused and staying motivated.
0: Precisely that Oklahoma game, of course, that uh, another one of the storylines coming up uh, or coming rather earlier in the week when the kick time was announced seven o'clock on Fox proper K-State fans, obviously, and justifiably excited about that game. I, I know it's been mentioned, a couple of people putting it out there. That team, uh, that 2012 team, 10 years later, they, or 10 years earlier, rather, uh, went into Oklahoma 3-0. They played the Sooners on Fox, 7 o'clock, a night game in Norman, and came out with that big victory that really set the table for the Wildcats' uh, run to a Big 12 championship that season. But again, this, this Tulane team cannot be taken lightly, and I touched on it in another preview episode we did when we talked about South Dakota. Teams that have culture and continuity always seem to hold a little bit more weight, at least in my book. So I know Willie Fritz had a bad season last year, but... Keep in mind, he had also taken Tulane to three consecutive bowl games prior to 2021, and Tulane's not necessarily a program that really punches at that level very often. So the fact that he was able to attain that type of uh, success, that speaks volumes about the type of coach that he is, and and that's something, again, like I said, that's worth its weight in gold in my book. But I I don't really... have any other items I wanted to hit on at least as far as K-State going up against uh, or K-State's Defense matching up against this Tulane offense. Like I said, Michael Pratt's a, a solid quarterback. He's going to run the ball a little bit. He's averaging close to six yards a carry. He's a very polished passer. He's been sharp through the first couple of games, hitting seventy percent of his throws. But again, we've talked about it. Quality of opponent, Nutter. You mentioned the Sagarin rating for both of those teams down in the in the low two hundreds. UMass, of course, one of the worst teams in all of FBS. So again. We're going to learn a lot more about Tulane, and, and, and frankly, I think we're going to learn a lot about K-State as well this coming Saturday, and I think this is as good a time as any to to pivot and start talking about the Wildcat offense going up against this Tulane defense. Uh, Nutter, defensively, this was a, a group that that struggled a lot of last year, but they did shore things up on the back half of their season and, and that seems to have carried forward right now. They're one of the better defenses in the country, uh, at least as far as pass efficiency goes. And as a matter of fact, they're currently number one nationally. Again, the caveat, quality of opponent. Um, and the other thing uh, that has jumped out to me has been their ability to defend the run. Frankly, that's been the only thing that K-State's really been able to rely on thus far. So I think that's that's going to pose an interesting test for this group on Saturday.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um... You know, obviously you'd like to see K-State add that, you know, other dimension and maybe air it out a little more. You know, we touched on it already that, that the numbers last week were a little bit misleading when you look at, you know, a penalty wiping out a big play and a dropped potential walk-in touchdown. So, you know, if they can if they can do just enough to keep the defense guessing, you know, Deuce and our offensive line are still good enough for Deuce to get his. But uh, yeah, again, no, no real no real major concern on my end. I do think. Tulane's probably going to get, quote unquote, exposed a little bit this week. Um, you know, I don't I don't I don't expect us to go out and light up the scoreboard necessarily, especially through the air. But I'm, I'm not worried about us not scoring points
0: either. They don't generate a, a ton of pressure. They've racked up just four sacks and only forced one QB hurry thus far. But uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that they held UMass to just 17 yards passing, which again, that that's an impressive feat in today's day and age in college football. Now, again, I think that speaks much more to to UMass and all the deficiencies they have as a program rather than uh, Tulane's perhaps acumen on defense. Uh, but they've, they've gotten a lot of reps for a lot of different guys that they are solid up front and particularly in the linebacking core. This is a team that runs a, a out of a three-four base, they have a joker who really does uh, stand out to me. Uh, Darius Hodges, he's a sophomore. Keep your eye on number 41, 6'1", 265. He's a guy that they'll put hand down when they go four down. They'll drop him back into coverage on occasion. He wreaks havoc at the out of that joker position. He had 15 and a half tackles for loss a season ago, and that and he led the team both in TFLs and sacks. That was without starting the first handful of games as well. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. And they also have a solid one in Nick Anderson. He was an all AAC caliber linebacker. Dorian Williams, another linebacker, number two to keep an eye on. He is second on the squad and tackles with 12 this season, also has an interception credited as well. So as I said, the linebackers, really the group to keep an eye on. Now, as it relates to Kansas State and the passing game, This is the number I keep coming back to when I saw this in one of my preseason magazines, and this one made me really excited. Uh, And I'm sure the K-State offensive coaches have no doubt made note of this as well. So last season, Tulane's pass defense, 124th in explosiveness, and that's giving up uh, 0.25 EPA per pass. Now, I don't want to delve too deep into the expected points added formula and whatnot, but the long and short of it, it's bad. Tulane was 124th nationally in that number. They gave up 57 pass plays of 20 yards or more. That was 104th in FBS. And and frankly, just with them having a couple of new guys in the secondary and the fact that they really haven't seen any team of this caliber, I think the the opportunity will be there for the Wildcats to take take some shots down the field against this Tulane secondary. And we saw it. We've seen it really throughout the first couple of games loaded boxes early on and Mizzou's credit to Mizzou's defense in particular, their defensive line was up to the task in that first quarter. They were really dictating things at the line of scrimmage and making it hard for Deuce Vaughn. K-State's line, though, really did wear them down in the second half. And that was what allowed the Wildcats to really pull away in the fourth quarter with those big home run touchdowns by Deuce and uh, DJ Kiddens. But to bring it back to Tulane, like I said, I think there's going to be a chance for Kansas State for Adrian Martinez to uncork a couple down the field, and, and that was one thing that kind of, that did come up when we put the question out there on Twitter, asking you guys what you wanted to see get short up. And Nutter, I, I think this is something everybody wants to see, just hit one or two explosive plays in the passing game. We need to, we need to. At this point, we are we're we will be through three games, and, and the team hasn't shown that it can do it. I think that's probably the bigger concern now more than anything yeah. else. Yeah,
1: I think our, our longest pass so far through two weeks is, uh, I believe, Martinez hit Brooks for maybe about 27, 28 yards um, last week, and I believe a lot of that came after the catch anyway. So, you know, I, there, there have been a couple of deep shots that come to mind. You know, we we did take a shot over the top to Brooks, against south dakota that was maybe a little bit overthrown there was the 37 yarder to deuce that was called back so i mean you know we, we've seen a couple of shots at it but nothing too crazy so yeah if we could try to take the top off the defense you know like or try you know try to get someone behind that last line of defense at least once this week that would obviously be pretty encouraging if for no other reason than to show f- future opponents that we can do it you know i, I know we talk about uh keeping things off film and whatnot. But at this point, you got to be a little concerned. It's like, is it in our arsenal? And if so, you know, it, it's probably time to show people that it is. That yeah. and the other thing I'd like to see short up is just eliminate the drops. There have been a couple of them so far in these first couple of weeks. Now, Not, not to harp on it too much, but one of them was probably headed for the end zone. Um, so, yeah, just if you can shore up the drops and, you know, maybe a couple more attempts at finding some guys downfield, I would feel a lot better about the passing game as a whole.
0: Not trying to discredit Adrian Martinez. I liked what he did against South Dakota, just purely in terms of spreading the ball around. Yes, we weren't gaining a lot of yards, but at least he was identifying different targets in that ball game. The Missouri game, a step back in some people's minds, perhaps a step forward in others. Like like I said, I, I thought K-State did take a Small step forward in the passing game just because of those first couple of possessions, just the way that things were moving on offense. Phillip Brooks had a nice day, three catches for 57 yards, and Malik had that nice reception on the opening drive uh, on that little comeback route on the inside. And, and he probably would have had a touchdown had he held on to that one ball in the third quarter as well. So we talked about it. I think at this point, you just want to see K-State hit a couple over the top. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. And, and frankly, we, we still want to make sure, obviously, that this that your bread and butter still works against the likes of Tulane. If it doesn't, there's probably a, a larger issue at hand. But I, I, I have no concerns really about K-State being able to to establish a ground game against this Tulane defense, even though it has been pretty salty against the run Going back to last year, even though the final seven games of the season, they allowed just 123 yards on the ground per game, only 3.3 per carry in that final seven game stretch as well. So they, Tulane, I think, is is in very much the same boat as K-State was last year when they were bringing in the new alignment, the 3-3-5 under Klanderman. Tulane brought in a new defensive coordinator in 21 in Chris Hampton. So that, that learning curve was steep, and Tulane also had to play the likes of Oklahoma and Ole Miss in the first half of the year, so it was going to be baptism by fire, but I think they they are a team that's starting to feel more comfortable with what they're doing defensively, so I think in that sense that there's going to be a level of confidence that Tulane comes in with, but you have to for lack of a better term, you got, kind of have to beat that out of them and road grade them down the way that you did Missouri. And, and I think this offensive line certainly has proven that they are proven at least through the first couple of games that they'll be up to the task. Just a couple of other things I did want to hit on uh, as it relates to things that our listeners had mentioned as wanting to get shored up. And, and again, appreciate all of you guys for jumping into that uh, question, uh, that tweet and, and giving us a bunch of responses. Uh, I know... Uh, K-State mentioned wide receiver separation. I don't think that necessarily has been a huge issue to date, um, but again, you would like to see, as we kind of talked ad nauseum here, guys get behind the secondary and take the top off. Uh, he also mentioned a new kicker. That's one thing. We'll, we'll talk specials here momentarily. I, I, I don't think we're quite to that point yet. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Let's see here. Ski Pickrell. We need to work out uh, completing passes. Looking at the game, it's almost like Adrian Martinez is throwing low every time. I don't feel like I've noticed that that often, but uh, it's not to say that it can be there. I think most of his throws have been pretty well on target. He was 11 to 15 in that game against South Dakota. And uh, like I said, we he hit a couple of dudes right on the hands against Missouri. Probably should have hit about 60 or so p- percent of his throws that game, but just victimized by a couple of drops and penalties there. Uh, Josh, oh man, I'm going to butcher this. G-R-U-O-N-R, um Sorry, bud. Not even gonna try it because I don't <laughs> want to butcher it. <laughs> uh, passing needs uh, needs to get uh, passing needs to show up. It's been a fluke or if it is a problem. Totally agree with you there. Uh, By you, Billy Butler. Oh man very apropos this week. Uh, just <laughs> want proof that we can pass when necessary. Wouldn't mind a perfect kicking day. Yeah. The 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 common refrain here is, is kicking and pass and, and passing the ball. Whitney Hartman also mentioned the same thing. She pretty much summed it up and just four words, passing and kicking game and girl got 50 likes on that tweet. So good on you, Whitney. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's, that's as good a time as any to, to transition and talk specials here. Um, Tulane did lose and they're still, they, they, this is an element of their game that they just haven't had to test Uh, again, by virtue of the fact that they've rung up 42 points in week one against UMass and then 52 against Alcorn state. They haven't had to worry about their, their Ray guy finalist that they had to replace as far as punter goes uh, last season. Uh, They had a guy that averaged 44 uh, net. His name escapes me right now, Ryan Wright, excuse me. Uh, So yeah, he was a Ray guy finalist. They're still working on finding out a replacement for him. Um, One thing that did jump out to me and just looking at Phil Steele, uh, Casey Glover had 4 onside kicks recovered last year that's just an insane number to me yeah. <laughs> like I, I you just don't see that like hell if you get one during the course of the season that's pretty miraculous in and of itself if you oh get... two is
1: an insane number and yeah. he doubled that that's ridiculous
0: so that's that's something to keep an eye on for for Tulane a team that's that's shown apparently an ability to do this um and, and again Tulane's kicking game we just don't know. Uh, As far as the K-State side of the coin, I I, I have no concerns with Zettner. He was fine. He was doing a great job booming him against Mizzou. Tenet, let's, let's talk about Tenet. So two for four on the young season, missed a couple of PATs, missed a 43 yarder against South Dakota and then uh, one from inside of 40. I don't remember. I think it was a 30, uh, 31 yarder against Mizzou. So Nutter. what what do we think this is is, is this a problem is, is this are, are we more in the mindset of this being mental that that's where I kind of am but I don't know where how you're feeling on this
1: yeah I mean so much of the kicking game is mental right they all they all have the mechanics to do it I mean we saw it last year in Austin you know when he hit the 51 52 yarder we know he's got a cannon of a leg it's just a matter of getting it through the sticks um you, know, you can kind of liken it I guess, to. Was it 2014 when Cantelli just had that nightmare performance against Auburn? You know, he, he yeah. missed the three in one game and he ended up, you know, I know that we, we we were a little bit of a revolving door, but by the end of that season, he was a pretty reliable kicker. So, you know, that's not to say that Tenet can't work this out. Obviously, you're going to be nervous as we start to approach conference play here. You know, it's only a matter of time until a game could come down to a kick. So, you know, you hope I agree uh, that it would be definitely nice, you know, whether he gets, you know, one, two, three attempts this week to see him go out there and hit all of them. I think that could go a long way in boosting this kid's confidence back up, but no doubt he has the athletic ability and the mechanics to get it done. He's just got to be able to do it on a more consistent basis.
0: Again, I I, I don't panic yet. Uh, it's it's one of those things. My hand is perhaps near the, the, uh, the proverbial button, so to speak, but he was so close to having a perfect three for three day against Missouri. He just, tr- he tried to finesse that 31 yard or just tuck it right inside the upright. So if he sneaks that one in, are we feeling better if he has a three for three day and just biff the one PAT? I don't know. I, I more than anything else, one, I hope this is a game in which K state cracks the end zone four to five times. And we're just purely talking about him knocking a couple of PATs in, just a, a light lift, so to speak. And he really doesn't have anything to make him question his confidence before that Oklahoma game, where frankly, that's a game where K-State's going to need to be sharp in all three phases. So, as far as what specials need to do this week, like I said, I, I'm just really hopeful that Tennant has a, a very a relatively stress-free day if he has to come on for a couple of field goals inside that 40-yard range. I, I hope he 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 gets out of his own. Way that's because I think that's his biggest thing. He's trying to kind of finesse the ball in there and tuck it inside. I, I think if he just lets it rip, because as we alluded to, we we know this kid can crank the ball from fifty plus without much of an issue. I think he just needs to go in with that type of a mentality rather than trying to sneak this one in. And and hopefully again, this is the type of game in which there is not a lot of pressure and it's one in which K State is very much prepared for and. and that kind of a, an intangible that I did want to talk about. I, I know there's a lot of conjecture and concern about the the alternate uniforms, but the the other thing that you kind of alluded to, Netter, was the, that look-ahead factor, the, the Oklahoma game looming so big here and, and a game that could be poised to, if K-State's able to go into Norman and steal. They could truly be poised to make a run at the Big 12 championship this season, I I don't know how you're feeling on this, but frankly, the fact that cake state just has not looked exceedingly sharp on in any phase, really beyond the defense is really the one unit that's been pretty live, you know, in all eight quarters, but offensively, we haven't seen really any kind of a, what I would deem a a perfect game outing. I, I think we've seen kind of a, a C plus B minus effort from that specials have obviously left some things to be desired. So the fact that I think K state has gone out and they've managed to get victories in these first two, but the fact that they haven't been overly sharp is one thing that I think will keep these guys a little more focused on the task at hand and not have them looking ahead to, to Tulane.
1: No, I think that's a great way to put it. And B minus is exactly the grade I would have given our offense against Missouri. Um, you know, for reasons we've already touched on, you know, some some unnecessary penalties, some drop passes, um, you know, just there definitely some room for improvement there in general. I mean, I think we could be looking at, you know, a pair of 40-plus point wins already this season if our offense is really on its A game. So, no, and I think we've got enough veteran guys at enough key spots that know that there's still plenty to clean up here before conference play starts. So, yeah, like you said, that's all the more motivation to go out and, you know, really take care of business this Saturday and not get caught looking here.
0: With that being said, let's go ahead. How do we get to Dub City? Frankly, uh, we've kind of already touched on it here for Kansas State. Eye discipline for the defense, very critical for the Wildcats here. Like I said, Tulane likes to to be versatile in terms of how they use their specialists. Going to throw a lot of play action at you. And and this is a game, like I said, not maybe a direct one-for-one for for what K-State's defense saw against Navy a few years back. But they're going to be tested in a similar capacity. So again, linebackers in particular, watch them this week. Safeties watch them very closely this week because this is an offense that has shown it can take the top off. I know they haven't been tested, but if K-State gets caught looking the wrong direction, look out. Um, As far as K-State's offense goes, I, I think Nutter, this really just continue to do what you've been doing in the run department. I, I haven't seen anything that's really given me cause for concern there, but anything you want to expand on as far as what what you would like to see out of the running game this coming Saturday?
1: Uh, just no, just like you said, you know, just hold on to the ball, keep those keep those mistakes to a minimum, and otherwise just let Deuce do what Deuce does.
0: And hopefully, Giddens gets a few extra totes uh, this Saturday. It's going to be pretty toasty. I saw, I believe, a high of ninety-five. I know weather. Uh, certainly not going to affect either squad. K-State's obviously been practicing in it. I have no doubt that the guys from New Orleans have to know how to deal with humidity and heat. <laughs> so I, I think this might be a game where Deuce gets spelled maybe a little bit more than he otherwise would, and maybe we see a little bit more rotation. So keeping guys fresh is another thing I'll have an eye on here as well. Now, as we get set to wrap things up here, let's talk predictions. Uh, again, we're just going to do uh, a pick-to-pop one offensive guy, one defensive guy. I'll give it over to you.
1: Uh, you know, not to be lazy, but until he's not the guy anymore, I think I kind of have to go with 22 on offense. You know, and he's a uh, just raking in 100-yard games every week at this point and no reason to think he won't do it again this week. And then uh on defense, I'm going to go I know I went uh You know, I've gone Daniel Green to start the year, but honestly, I've been equally, if not more impressed with what we've seen out of uh, what we've seen out of the remaining linebackers. So, I mean, I would just say if those if those guys can continue to maybe, you know, keep some of the attention off of Green, you know, I think it really just kind of collectively makes that unit that much better. I know it's it's been a concern with the depth, but so far there's been absolutely no concern with their performance so far.
0: As far as offense goes, I want to see, I want to see somebody in the receiving core pop this week. I know the the the, the ideal candidate is Malik Knowles, and that's who I'm going to go with here because I, I do think just uh, again, Tulane hasn't really been tested yet. I, I keep going back and, and looking at those numbers from last year, and I, I think that this secondary has some holes in it that haven't necessarily been filled, nor have they been been tested by a team, the caliber of Kansas state. I think this is the week where again, you'll see a team, a defense that's going to be highly keyed in on Deuce Vaughn after he racked up what was his eighth consecutive 100 yard rushing performance last week against Mizzou. And we know K-State's bread and butter is going to be the ground and pound, getting deuce wide, running deuce between the tackles. And Adrian Martinez has shown it here in the first couple of weeks as well. He's a pretty smooth runner. We haven't run him a ton. And hopefully this again is another game in which we don't have to see that element of his, uh, of Adrian Martinez's game. So with that being said, I I want Malik Knowles to be the guy who pops this week and and helps eliminate some of that stress or alleviate some of that stress rather on the guys that we are, are pretty well known commodities. We know what deuce can do. We know what this line can do in terms of opening up holes and moving guys around. But I, I want to see some, uh, that, that added element of the offense. So I'm going to go with Malik Knowles and I, I'm, I'm going to be bold and say he, he catches a big one in this game and has uh, one touchdown catch and goes for close to 100 yards. I, I don't think this is a game where K state airs it out 25 to 30 times but I think there are going to be some shots down the field here. And I'm going to say Malik Knowles is going to be the beneficiary on hopefully a couple deep balls down the field against this two lane secondary defensively for Kansas state. I've, I've preached it throughout this show. I, I am going to be really keyed in on linebackers this week, Daniel green, the, the very obvious choice, but I'm I'm looking also to the secondary as well. So I'm going to be looking uh, at those new safeties and in particular, Kobe Savage, I've been really happy with the way that he's played through these first couple of weeks, but directing traffic against this kind of attack is going to be a, a little bit different type of a task and, and maintaining as I've been saying throughout eye discipline very critical against this two lane offense. And I, I want to see how, how he in particular fares against it. also going to be looking at Hayes sincere Mason, all the guys in the back end that are going to be responsible for aligning that defense. But Kobe Savage is going to be the one in particular that I'm truly keyed in on. And I expect him to come forward and pop out and have a big game. So that being said, those are our picks to pop here. And I think it's time to wrap this one up with score predictions and uh, Nutter. I'll let you go ahead and uh, have first dibs here.
1: Yeah, so as we are recording this, K-State is a 14-point favorite, according to Vegas. Um, I do think the Cats cover. I don't necessarily think it's going to be a blowout like we've seen the last couple of weeks. I am going to go uh, 35-17.
0: Uh, We were pretty well in lockstep, and I I actually did have a different score this time. (laughs) I I know you caught me me flat-footed against South Dakota here. Not today. No, I I think, again, K-State's defense will be tested a little bit differently this week, and I I do foresee Tulane cracking the end zone once or twice, hopefully no more. But I I think this is a game where K-State understands the task at hand. Uh, I think Chris Kleiman also is very acutely aware of the fact that he's had A game in which he's just totally whiffed off the tee each and every one of his years at K-State. You talked a little bit about the game against West Virginia. Um, I don't want to bring up the alternate, uh, you know, the script Cats helmet, but K-State did have the script Cats helmet in that game. That was a game in which the Wildcats were double-digit favorites and uh, fell flat on their face against a a, a West Virginia team that was 3-6 and going into that game. Had no business coming to Manhattan and stealing one. The Arkansas State game, that was a Sunbelt team that came into Manhattan and rallied for a two-touchdown deficit to beat Kansas State, which was clearly, again, in my mind, the better team. And then last season, the 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 Wildcats, i, I you can't really necessarily point to one specific game where K-State was significantly better than the opponent, but everybody kind of looks at that Texas game at the end of the year when UT really had nothing to play for a win was not going to get them to the bowl. And the wildcats again, just kind of fell flat on their face in that one. I know they didn't have scour Thompson. Some other guys were banged up, but that was another game in which K-State was absolutely the pick to win and, and and didn't come through and get that victory. So I think Kleiman knows that he's, you know, that they've had these types of games where they are perceived as the favorite. They need to take care of business and they haven't been able to done, uh, done. So do so, excuse me. I think this is the week uh, that they get that monkey off their back. I also think the the uniform, the alternate uniform monkey comes off the back this week, this team in my mind, it's too good. It's too good defensively. I, I know we've, we don't think very much I, – I know I personally don't think a lot of Missouri this season, but this defense has just been so rock solid through the first couple of weeks. Third are nationally and in, in, in pass efficiency defense already. The havoc rate has been insane. They've done a ton, and they've earned plenty of equity and credibility with me. I, I think that Tulane, again, will will test them, but I think this is a game in which Case State comes out with a pretty – Comfortable victory. I think it's right on the number. I know this one opened up around 17 and a half and it's just plummeted down. And we, we saw that against Missouri as well where that game opened up at nine and a half and came down to eight, seven and a half. So I could be completely off base on this, but my score this week is 31 to 17. But frankly, if this is one that the Wildcats win going away, it it would not stun me. I I think this is a good opportunity for K-State to work out some of those final kinks heading into that big showdown against Oklahoma. And I think that's the other carrot that you really need to dangle out in front of this team is that, listen, if you guys really want to legitimately contend for a Big 12 championship, you got to take every team seriously. And that, again, to date, they've done that. And I don't think that discontinues this week i think the wildcats will be keyed in on the task at hand and i think they come out with a nice win to wrap up the non-con at 3-0 with all that said that is going to do it for this edition of college and kimball we thank you again for listening to the show subscribe to it on whatever your preferred app is follow us on twitter again at college underscore kimball with all that being said i'll close it out the way that i always do cats man if you know you know let's go get a dub
1: dnesse o